You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey Sports presents Big Time Baseball with former Major Leaguer Tony Gwynn Jr. and Odyssey Insider Cody Decker. Welcome back to another week here in Major League Baseball. You are listening to Big Time Baseball for here for Odyssey Sports. I'm Cody Decker, former professional baseball player turned professional smartass on the radio. And most importantly, with me as always, the single greatest human being who has ever lived in Major League Baseball history. He is Tony Gwynn Jr. Tony, how you doing, brother? I'm good, Cody. How about yourself, man? This, uh, this, this whole playoff thing starting to heat up, my man. It's going in such crazy directions and, and, and yeah. utter chaos, really. We've talked about chaos lately, and, you know, it's almost like Major League Baseball. You have a pretty good idea going into September what the playoff picture is going to look like. And, yeah, we know what it looks like at the top of the divisions, but the wild cards are just that. They are wild as hell right now, both in the AL and the NL. Teams coming out of the woodwork, teams that I've been telling people to pay attention to for so long, and now finally people have no choice but to pay attention because a lot of other teams faltering. But before we get to the wild cards, we got to talk a little bit about the Hall of Fame inductions yesterday. Three new members of the Hall. Pretty cool. Good speeches. Of course, obviously, Larry Walker and, of course, Derek Jeter. But your guy, Ted Simmons, dude, has maybe the single greatest voice of any human being that's ever lived. I felt like I was being bathed in dark chocolate just slowly, but delightfully. <laughs> now, Ted does have a, a very soulful voice. And uh, I listen, one of the one of these, if not the smartest baseball mind I've ever had the privilege of being around. He was my bench coach for two years, once in uh, Milwaukee in 08. And then in 09, he was uh, the bench coach in, in, in San Diego. Uh, and so um, he, he's he is a very playful guy uh, at times, but also a very serious individual. And you kind of got a, a a taste of that uh, during his speech. Like he is a uh, he is which I think you called him uh, uh, Morgan Freeman. <laughs> yes, he, he definitely's got a little Morgan Freeman. But here here's my direct, and I think I really got this down. I think I nailed him. I think with the looks, he's got the exact identical looks of Steve Coogan and the voice of a middle-aged Rick Dees. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, the first gentleman's an actor, right? If yes, I'm not he is mistaken. an actor. Briti British actor. If you, if you Google okay. him, it's the spitting image. It's frightening, in fact. <laughs> I actually saw a picture. It's a, it's, it's, he's a, an older version, so it's a pretty, pretty good comp. Pretty good comp. But yeah, man, he's uh, glad to see both him, uh, obviously Derek, Larry Walker, all get in there, and uh, I mean... I got to see uh, Larry Walker play. Uh, obviously, we all got to see Derek Jeter play. Um, 
those two guys were, were especially for me, Larry Walker, I got to see a lot of him. Him and my dad went up a few times in the uh for the batting title. Um, he was just one of those freaks of nature. Uh, yeah. I, I love the story he told. And, you know, a lot of people, we, we were, I, I think Mark Grant, who was uh, the TV uh, analyst for, for us here in San Diego, was telling us the story about Larry Walker and A-Bar, one of the minor league spots. The same story he told yesterday where ball hit, line drive, he goes back to the base, but he cuts across the field and couldn't understand, you know, why he was called out after beating the throw. Uh, a lot of people don't believe that story, and I thought it was hilarious that he actually told it for a part of his Hall of Fame speech. You know what's more amazing than that on top of that? It's funny he's told that story, not the other story, which I think he's better known for. But the fun fact, when he was on the Montreal Expos, he played a game at Dodger Stadium where he handed the ball <laughs> Oh, yes, off I remember fan. this. I was at the game. I was like seven years old. I was sitting there in the stands wondering why Jose Offerman was going first to third on a fly ball routine to right field. It was madness. No one understood what was going on. And I remember seeing he tried to go back and he tried to go. Oh, he did. He went back and got the ball from the got the ball, threw it in. I'm like, and he he did mention something in his speech last night that finally it all clicked for me because he said, I never really played more than like 30 games a year until I was 16. Hockey was first and then I became a baseball player kind of at 17 on. I'm like, that's why he didn't know the rules. Now it, it makes, makes sense. It makes sense why he cut, instead of retouching the bases, just took a beeline back to the base. <laughs> Could you imagine why seeing that in real life? I think I would fall on the floor laughing. And watching the guy get furious after, it had to be the greatest thing ever. I mean, I, I was a Larry Walker fan. I mean, as a kid, now yeah. you, you mentioned how he, your dad and he both um, both always um, had went after the batting title. I remember when I was a little kid, me and my next door neighbors, they were twins. We played baseball. We were the same age. We always played like basically like backyard baseball with tennis balls. And the rule was we could never hit with our normal side hand. I couldn't hit right handed. So we would always pick full on left handed teams. And I remember I always hit and do impressions of Larry Walker, Larry Walker. and Ray <laughs> Langford. And the only reason I didn't get Tony Gwynn is because my other friend picked him first. <laughs> so you had you had two completely different stands like standing straight up Ray Langford and then you had to kind of spread out Larry Walker man I mean he was I mean look go back and look at some of his numbers man he, he put up some crazy home run RBI totals in the same year and that was really before getting to uh Colorado once he got to Colorado they went up even more and uh like I said it was good to see him obviously Jeter uh no I, I don't think anybody had any doubt Jeter was going to be, and he gave a shout out to all who helped him get in, including the one guy who didn't vote for him. Now it, it was supposed to be, those were supposed to be public. Then they kind of went back on it and said, nah, we won't necessarily do it that way. Um, I would like to know who the one guy who said that he shouldn't be a Hall of Famer is. It's I will kind of never ridiculous. understand it for the rest of my life. There's certain, there's certain people who are voting for the Hall of Fame that I feel like just for certain actions, I don't care if it's for protest or whatever, you shouldn't be allowed to vote because Derek the, Jeter is there's unanimous. No doubt. Is just unanimous, not even question. Like to me, I, I almost started losing my faith in people when Trevor Hoffman wasn't the first ballot guy. Like Trevor Hoffman yeah. Yeah. deserves his own wing, let alone be in the Hall of Fame. That that whole can't get in on the first ballot thing is 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 one of the most ridiculous things by all by all measurements uh, that I've that I think we've we experience in sports. Like the whole idea that you can't get in on the first ballot 
base just because basically is is so mind blowing to me. But you know, it is what it is. And you know, the thought was if they made it public, you would you'd get rid of that. And the one year they did, uh, they did get rid of it, right? I think Mariano Rivera went in without any uh, body, you know, confronting it because they knew they'd be exposed. Now that they've kind of gone back under dark again. We're seeing the whole can't get in on first ballot thing. Listen, growing up in my math classes, I had to show my work. So I think these writers should show their work, too. It's only fair. It's only fair. And I and I don't and I truly don't get it. And listen, I I like the Hall of Fame to a point. I think it's a a great museum. I think it's become too much of an arguing topic at this point. Guy who should get in and why shouldn't they get in? I'm like, oh, come on. Like Barry Bonds should be in the end. Roger Clemens should be in the end. I don't yeah. understand why there's even a debate at this point, but yeah. that's that's my been my problem with the Hall of Fame. It's just it's become this endless debatable talking point instead of what it should be. A it should just be a museum honoring the game that we all love. Yeah, no, it, that you you're right, and part of the reason I think the argument part has kicked up. I know, look where we've we've dragged ourselves into. I think part of the reason we're the the argument part comes is because the game has changed so much, right? And and it's kind of changed what because basically basically if if we were going by the these old standards, uh, you know, a lot of there would be a lot of be there'd be like almost nobody getting in. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like there, there's we've we've kind of adjusted to now where uh, more of the the you you get on a ten year run and you're the best you know, in your spot during that time, that's, that's sufficient enough to get in. There was a time where you had to have the longevity, you had to have certain specific numbers. And I don't think because I think because of the way the game is played now, I don't know that anybody's ever really going to get to that. Trout might be one of the last few that get to those type of numbers. Um, And it'll be based on the pace he's doing it. And I think he'll play a long time. Yeah. And I mean, we talk about it all the time. Like if you were to say right out, right out the gate in your head right now, who's having the best year of any catcher in Major League Baseball, who would you say it is? Because to me, it's only two names and one name is kind of glaring because of a monster year he's having. The other is glaring for a different reason. To me, it's Salvador Perez and Yasmani Grandal. But if you put their numbers next to each other, you know, old school numbers, you're like, oh, yeah, Salvi's having the better year. But if you do a little more digging, you see that what Yasmani Grandal is doing right now has like never been done before. Yeah, no, I mean, and and, and that is exactly why we have the arguments now, because there are we, we have now numbers where you dig a little bit deeper and Yaz's year looks just as credible as as, as Perez's does. You look at, but then you have the old school side. So that's, I think, ultimately what we're saying is, you know, although it's become an argument, you know, between who should get and who shouldn't, I think that's going to be the case until we really settle in into this era that we're in now. I don't think it's quite settled, right? I mean, we've we've moved into it. We're all getting used to it. And I think eventually it'll be the norm, right? And then these arguments become a little bit easier because everybody's kind of working from the same uh playbook but right now that that's not the case you're right Perez is having a monster year no by 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 all measurements uh Yaz is you got to dig a little bit deeper to see but nevertheless it's still helping that ball club be where they're at right now 
Yes, it is, and it's and it's been if nothing else, both these guys have been a lot of fun. But it's just like you said, we probably have to wait until we really ease into this current era we're in, till we really start seeing the brilliance that's actually on the field right now. Right. Right. Um, but let's get over to something else that's taking place, and that is the chaos in Major League Baseball regarding both wild cards. Because let's start with the AL, because the AL seemed like it was going to be the wild card scenario that was going to be the more of a lock, quote unquote. Because right. we had, you know, we had we had the uh, Boston Red Sox; they were up by quite a bit at one point. You know, it was looking like the A's were going to get that second spot. They were up by quite a bit at one point, and then after the trade deadline. You know, the, the A's made crazy moves to where you're like, man, they're going to they're not going to be beaten at all. And they absolutely stumbled out of the gate after the All-Star break. Looking at what's going on now, right now at the top spot, Boston up a half game on the New York Yankees, who have absolutely fallen off, not to mention Garrett Cole coming out of the game early the other day in the fourth, which I don't know about you, but my heart legitimately skipped a beat thinking about that. And you got Toronto, a team that I've been really, really on for a while, thinking that they're going to make a push, finally making their push only a game and a half out behind the Yankees. And they got one more against New York today. I think this is going to be a very interesting race down the road, specifically with Toronto. I know that the Mariners are still in there, but I'm not expecting much out of the Mariners. Listen, it's here's the thing is we keep saying that about the Mariners and they keep getting closer and closer. That's true. Two and a half. Out of that second wild card spot, Toronto's a game ahead of them. Oakland has slipped, which is the most surprising part of all of this. They slipped the three games out of the uh, out of the wild card entirely. So uh, it look it listen. The American League, National League resemble each other so much. They're both about a five team race with teams with legitimate chances. And uh, on the National League side, there's there's some schedule schedule advantages uh, uh, certain ways. But you're right. The the American League wild card. I don't. I didn't think we'd be having this conversation. I didn't think we'd be having it with the two teams that are actually leading right now. Honestly, I, I, yeah. I thought maybe Boston would be in there, but it certainly seemed like Oakland had that had that other spot. Now all of a sudden, the Yankees surge. Now they've lost two uh, of. Uh, me, they've lost eight of their last ten, uh, five straight. Uh, Toronto, as you mentioned, they've won seven straight. They're nine and one in their last ten. They're starting to play well. Um, this one's a coin flip to me. I think this one's even more of a coin flip because I can envision all a scenario where any one of the five teams gets in. I can see yeah. Oakland getting in. I can now start to see Seattle finding a way to get in. I really can. They're playing because they're they're not just, you know, winning games against, you know, scrub teams. They've had to beat Houston. They've taken out some of the better teams in the American League here as of in, in recent weeks. I, I I don't see a reason why they can't win it. So there's a scenario in which I can see all any one of these five teams getting in. Um, certainly, Toronto's surging right now. And to me, other than them, it's Seattle that's playing in the best baseball out of the five. I agree, and I'm I'm, I'm a big fan of this Toronto team. I I also think they're one year away, really, from really taking that next major step to really competing with like the Tampa Bay Rays in that division. But like you mentioned, nine and one in their last 10, they have been exciting. Robbie Ray has really put himself not just in the Cy Young mix, but potentially could legitimately in this month overtake the race from Cole and Lynn because Lynn's still on the IL. Cole pulled out early. We were expecting him to get at least four more starts this month. We don't know if we're getting that. Robbie Ray's healthy, and he just can't stop from Kang 15 guys a game. So this is going to be very interesting. Not only that, 
this dude is every time he starts the price tag seems to go up because he's a free agent at the end of this year and it'll be interesting can they bring both him and Simeon back because they're both on one-year deals both having monster seasons um and I think it'll be big to what you were talking about in terms of him taking that next step the following year um they get those two guys back they're well on their way uh to making that step but the problem is Robbie Ray is 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 finally hitting the potential that I think everybody saw him as as a diamondback that he could get to and if you know he's doing it at the right time cuz uh I don't care what the new collective bargain agreement's going to have he's going to get paid one way or the other no matter what a team is going to pay him <laughs> so much money which and which which should. might not bode well for Toronto cuz that no. means they're going I mean this price tag is going to somebody's going to pay him I I'm, I'm betting uh you know over $100 million. I think he's going to get it. I think so, too. And you better believe that the San Francisco Giants got a lot of money lying around. Can you imagine mm-hmm. adding a Robbie Ray to that staff? If, if you're getting this Robbie Ray, yeah, I could, <laughs> I could definitely see you adding it to the staff. Whew, be nasty. But let's switch it over to the National League side. Speaking of the Giants, they won their 90th game yesterday. First team to 90, which is incredible, considering the fact that Dodgers have not been playing bad baseball and have somehow fallen two games behind the yeah. San Francisco Giants. Now the Dodgers got the first wild card spot by 13 and a half games, but here is what's interesting. That's second wild card spot where the AL right now, the wild card spots are all with bunched within three games from the top spot to the third place team. That's hunting the wild card spot in the NL a bit different. Of course, the Dodgers up 13 and a half on the San Diego Padres, but right now the Padres got that second spot. They're got one game on the Cincinnati Reds, up three games on the Philadelphia Phillies, three and a half on the St. Louis Cardinals. And I know we love to make fun of them because it's super, super, super easy. <laughs> They're right in there, though. Yeah. But somehow, under somehow, I'm assuming witchcraft, the Mets are only four and a half out of this. It <laughs> oh, had a chance to be three and a half. Had oh they God. not been a... <laughs> What's incredible, Tony, is they have won seven of their last 10. It feels like they've lost their last 20. Yeah. No, That's I just mean. That's how it feels. First, let's address the elephant in the room. Uh, Mr. Diaz just continues to blow my mind with the whole pointing up. We're not even, he's not pointing up even at fly balls anymore. The the, the walk-off winner, um, uh, was it was it De La Cruz who hit that ball? It was uh, De La Cruz, and boy, that we can unpack this one moment of baseball for hours. <laughs> I, I mean, but let's just start with our massive pet peeve. I agree. Edwin the, Diaz, the, once again, pointing at a ball that ended a ball game for him. The, well, here's the thing. You know, the whole objective of the point is on fly balls to help your, your, your infield or outfielder find the baseball. This was a ball that damn near knocked the center field wall down. It was hit so hard on the line. I mean, had the outfielder been there, he could have just jumped and caught it. Like, this wasn't a fly ball. Are we going to now start pointing out ground balls, too? Like, is this is this what we're doing now? It's I'm just amazing. saying. It's, it's amazing that he it's does gotta this. It's got to stop. It's amazing, but it's specifically him that he does this because every time he's done it, this is the third time this year he's pointed at a ball. Each time was for a walk-off for another team. <laughs> 
Like, that's the weirdest thing. One was like a walk-off grand slam. The other was like another walk-off home run. This one was a walk-off line drive that was low enough that he possibly could have jumped and caught it if he timed it right. Like, it's madness. It's absolute madness. Why is he doing this? It is. Uh, it's secondhand embarrassment is what I feel when I see a pitcher. do oh, this. There, though, that is the perfect description. It, it's it's not that I, I'm embarrassed. I'm not even out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's 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 I wonder what people are seeing when they when they see him point up in this guy. What are his teammates thinking sometimes? They have to do think. You think like, they, do, do you think they think, oh, well, maybe I actually do have a shot to catch this ball? At this point, it has to be like the signal that we lost because he only points up when uh, someone else walks him off. Like everyone, it must be like Kevin Pillar just instead just walks back to the dugout. That's what it must mean at this point. Because no, it's just, but it all—it's crazy. <laughs> In all seriousness, though, they—they since the whole thumbs down situation, they played. Pretty good baseball. They found a way, and they're they're right back in the thick of things. So, just not to get off track, but the Mets. The point was the Mets are in this thing, and they are one of the teams fighting for that second wild card spot. Yeah, and it's also not out of the realm of possibility that they get that um, National League East. Because keep in mind that no the, kidding, the Braves, what is going yeah, they on? Got in the three East. wins. It's terrible. No one can win. Not one team. <laughs> In the East yesterday, they all lost somehow, which is amazing because I'm pretty sure one of them played each other. And I think both teams just lost. Like It's just, it, it, it's crazy. I, 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 you know, just when you think that they have, everybody has their stuff together in the East, um, they show that they don't. Uh, I thought the Braves were going to run away with this. Uh, they haven't. Philly's still two and a half back. Mets still four, four back. Um you're right. It's not out of the realm that the Mets could still win this thing. Uh, it's not out of the realm that the Phillies could win this thing. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It it, it could still it, we're back to the whole the whole idea that we were at in what I think May or June, where literally anybody can win this division out of those three. Miami's falling. Washington and Miami have finally fallen completely out after uh, you know kind of hanging there for a little bit. It's a three-team race in the East, and either one, either three teams could could walk away, and I'd be like, oh, that's not a surprise. Yeah, I completely agree, but that's just amazing because none of the teams are technically all that good. It's just a crazy thing that we're watching in baseball right now, and on paper, each team is great, but they've just underperformed all season, and you know, it's it's like parody in the worst way. Like, who wants it the least? In the East is like the question I'm basically asking myself every day. But, you know, looking at this team, but looking at who's at the top of that wild card spot is the San Diego Padres, a team that means a lot to both you and I. The question is, you mentioned earlier record, uh, you know, upcoming schedules. The Reds got a pretty easy schedule going forward where the Padres have one of the hardest. They got another series against the Dodgers coming up here. They got another series against the Giants coming up here. This is this is a team that's got a hell of a road to make this playoff. And they have to beat these teams to get in. The question is, what can this team do to you know, not lose any more ground? They've had so many injuries on the mound, both on the bullpen side and the starting staff side. They haven't really hit well as of late. Um, it seems like the entire city of San Diego is completely turned on Eric Hosmer. It's just uh, it, it seems like a really interesting time for the Padres right now. Yeah, no, all of that is true although i think lately starting pitching starting to come around the health is has has returned you've seen quality starts i think in five four out of the last five may even be in five of the last five where guys have given innings they haven't necessarily won i mean blake snell 
had a perfect game through seven. Uh, Padres end up losing that game for nothing. So uh, offense has been inconsistent, um, but they do seem to be, at least in my, uh, from my viewpoint, playing a better brand of baseball. Here's what we've learned about the schedule. Cause we've been, the schedule started like this at the beginning of this month. And what mm-hmm. we've learned here early is that you still got to play these games because the, the Reds, have an easy schedule. They lost two or three to the Marlins. They lost two or three to Detroit, uh, who, by the way, is is not having a horrible year like everybody thought. But there's certainly a team the Reds should be beating. Um, they're three and seven in their last ten, and, and so the they've had a chance to kind of put some separation between them and the Padres. They weren't able to do so. Padres end up getting the victory last night. They lose on a walk off. So the Padres are are, are one game up. But they are going into the, the the no. They don't play a team from this point on that isn't above five hundred, isn't in playoff contention. Yeah, they have yeah. the the Giants. Or excuse me, they got the Dodgers in this order: Dodgers, Giants, uh, Cardinals, Braves, Dodgers, Giants. That's Ooh. how they end the se- season right there. So uh, they've played. They've now they've shown they play their best baseball against those type of teams. They're going to have to do it in order to win this uh, second wild card spot. Yeah, and I'm excited for it. I think the city of San Diego deserves it. Um, yeah, and I and man, you just got to understand fans out there. Petco Park, when that place is packed and the Padres are good, that is the most electric place on planet Earth. It is just so loud. So loud and yeah. so much fun. I'm really, really hoping the Padres can hold on to this. Uh, we're going to be staying well informed about the wild card, probably all the way to the final game of the season. Can't wait to see where this baseball season is going to take us. Uh, but one more thing we got to talk about before we wrap it up. Let's talk a little bit about player spotlights because we've always talked about for years. And, you know, when I think about the 90s and growing up, the first player that immediately comes to mind for me without question, not even a second place is Ken Griffey Jr. I, I just yeah. think of baseball as a kid. I think of a backwards hat with a teal bill hitting home runs off of the off of the warehouse in Baltimore. I just think of that first. Ken was the Ken was the let the kids play version in the nineties. Yeah, and it was cool. Like he had his own video games. He had his own shoes. It was like he was a real star in Major yeah. League Baseball. And I feel like we haven't had that really since him. And, you know, there's been a lot of fingers pointing at Major League Baseball organizations, the players themselves. And I think there's a fair amount of blame kind of be spread a decent amount all over the place. But looking at what Major League Baseball, the players that are in the game right now, not to mention the young stars that are playing right now, Pete Alonzo, a guy, you know, he hit his first he hit his hundredth home run the other day. And it took him the second fewest amount of games in Major League Baseball history to do that. Um like Fernando Tatis Jr., 20, what, two years old, having a monster year. He's playing out of position in the outfield. He threw a ball 97 miles per hour in an outfield assist yesterday. He's the front runner for the NL MVP. Uh, Wander Franco uh, tied Mickey Mantle for the longest on-base streak in AL history. Uh, the guy's 20. Like, is baseball actually finally going to turn turn a corner and create stars because they have them? You're right. There are there's a lot of kind of that blame to go around why um, we didn't really have that early. I think Griffey was that guy. Griffey maintained that. And I think what you have to really, you know, kind of pay attention to is 
Major League Baseball hasn't, I don't think, had a problem with having star young stars. They've had a problem with sustaining those stars for, you know, the longevity of the career, whether it be injury or different, you know, things that have come up. You have to be able to promote your guys, right? And that's why I think this next collective bargaining agreement is going to be huge because if they can get on the same page and really work together, uh, both players and owners, they can make this thing in terms of getting viewership, getting people, new fan base, getting um, your stars out there. They could really, you know, make some headway in that if they work together. They just haven't been doing that. But you certainly have the young stars. I don't think this game has been, you know, as ba- Major League Baseball has made the move to get younger, this is the first time um, that you can actually see a, 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 a lot of young stars across baseball and you see how talented they are. So uh, the onus is on them, A, to keep playing at the level that they're playing at and if not becoming better, uh, as they keep growing, because that's the thing about star power. Like you can't remain the same. The thing about Griffey, the thing about bonds, the thing about the, they kept getting better and better and better and better and better. And that will be on the players to do so. Now, as they do so major league baseball has got to be able to get these guys out there. You're going to, you got to get back to like the game of the week type style where you're being able to feature these superstars going against one another. Um, we just, it, it's, it just seems like the same message we've had for years and years and years. And that doesn't, that doesn't reach these, this new base. It just doesn't. It's amazing. We just talked about those things that Wander Franco did, Fernando Tatis is doing, uh, and not to mention, uh, obviously what Pete Alonso did, but Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Hit his 40th home run. This is only the second time in major league history that a father son duo have hit 40 yeah. home runs in a season. Oh, and by the way, Vladdy Jr. is only 22 years old. Listen, I, I got to see Prince do that in Milwaukee uh, when he became part of that duo with with his father, Cecil. And now you're seeing uh, Vlad Jr. do it in a major way in an MVP type season. Unfortunately, there's this guy, Shohei Otani, that's in the league that has kind of, you know, poured cold water on the year that he's had, although it's been almost it's been a tremendous year. Um, and, you know, I. Do you feel like Vlad Jr. is getting the pub that he he should, deserves right now? Like Not there is remotely. there's enough media platform for Shohei to get his and Vlad Jr. to get his and both be blowing up at the same time, and You're and right. so we're right in the, we're right in the thick of it right now, and we're seeing in live time that it, at least from our standpoint that he's not getting that they're not doing a good enough job getting that out there. We're not talking enough. And listen, Shohei is the story. I get it. He's the, I, I don't have, I, I have no doubt he wins the MVP. Maybe unanimously, right? But that doesn't mean that you don't blow up Vlad Jr. or, 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 or are we wrong? I, I mean, I, I don't feel like he is getting the notoriety that he should. I really don't feel like he's getting the notoriety he should. Like, this is a guy that's right in the top of every major category in Major League Baseball on a surging team that he's about to help make the playoffs right now. Man, I I hope they can do something better with this. And like you mentioned, the CBA is going to be huge in this. And it's also whether or not can they get on the same page because Major League Baseball going forward is going to make more money than it ever has by far, especially getting in kind of into the gambling sphere that all major sports are doing. So this is a real opportunity for both players and ownerships to get on the same page and understand what's good for one 
is good for the other and what's good right. for the game itself. And I truly, truly hope, I don't know if it's going to be this CBA, but I hope in the next couple, we can finally, finally put the past behind us and get to a better place where this game could be where it really, truly could and should be. Look, look at, I mean, listen, you look at the NBA and how well both of the sides work together. Um, at least as far as I can remember, including my time in the league, it's never felt like they were in partnership with one another. You know, it, it, I think that's the that is the key. And listen, we can argue uh, all night about why that is, you know, as as, as a former player. I have and there my are reasons of right. <laughs> there are reasons of, <laughs> of, of why that is. However, uh, you got to find a way to get through that part. And, and and because the game itself will only benefit from the two sides viewing each other as partners. And, and, and once you do that, I think the sky is the limit for the game, honestly. I completely agree. And I truly and it almost sounds like we're talking about peace and love throughout all of humanity, which in a way we no. kind of are. But <laughs> it is possible. And I hope we can eventually get there. Guys. This has been an incredibly fun Big Time Baseball. Thank you so much for joining us here on Odyssey Sports. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe to Big Time Baseball wherever you get your favorite podcasts. That's Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Uh, make sure you leave a comment and check us out next week. Of course, follow me on Twitter at Decker6 and Antihero Baseball on Instagram. Tony, where can people find you? You can find me at Tony Gwynn Jr. on Twitter. You can find me at Tony underscore Gwynn Jr. on IG. Check me out on the Padres broadcast, 97.3 The Fan. You can also catch me on my radio talk show from 3 to 7 on Gwynn and Chris, also on uh, the Odyssey Sports app. So check me out. Check Cody out. We'll check you next week. Absolutely. And again, if you have not heard Tony Gwynn Jr. call a baseball game, you are missing out on pure gold. Go and listen to the pods. <laughs> Make the playoffs with the soothing tones of Tony Gwynn Jr. Guys, that's it for Big Time Baseball. Thank you so much for joining us. We will be back next week.